So this morning, um, I'd like to talk some more about vipassana or insight practice. Uh, so yesterday, I I spoke about samatha practice, uh, tranquility, and and the practice is um, really helping us to stabilize the mind in present moment awareness. And in samatha practice, we choose an object, a meditation object, and for the most part it's the breath, but it also can be body sensation or sound. And and we're, we're noticing that the mind, habits of the mind, patterns in the mind, keep drawing our attention into patterned ways of thinking and fantasizing and, you know, so using the imagination and the thinking mind uh, in patterned ways which are driven, for the most part, the drivenness of the mind is we're, we're driven by basically greed, hatred, and delusion. So, so the, you know, I want this, I want that, that. I don't want this, I don't want that, I, I dislike this, I, you know, I want to get away from it, or delusion, just kind of getting lost, zoning out, um, or another form of delusion is fixed opinions, you know, very strongly, like fundamentalist thinking, <coughs> very f- strong fixed opinions. That's another form of delusion because these fixed opinions, you know, uh, close the door to a a more nuanced uh, reality. Um, So, um, so Samatha is coming back to the, the, our present moment experience through the senses just being present with the sensation of breathing or body sensation, other body sen- <laughs> sensation of breathing, of course, is a body sensation and, or another body sensation. And so there's a, a kind of a, a, a rhythm in samatha practice of, you know, um, we, we come into the body, we focus on the breath, we... Uh, the, then we notice that the mind has drifted away, you know, and caught up in patterns. We begin to recognize what those patterns are, because you know we're we're noticing them. Uh, so we're getting to know our minds in, in samatha practice, uh, and um, you know, and it can be that can be quite painful. <laughs> To begin to really see what are the patterns of the mind, I, um, you know, a story that I've some, sometimes shared is that, you know, I was on retreat once and and I suddenly saw how much my mind was judging, you know, it was judging all the time, you know, I, it's like shocking to see how much 
and what I was judging. I was judging how people were doing walking meditation, <laughs> how they were eating, and what they were eating, and how they were dressed. And I was, Wait a minute, that's not, I'm not a judging person. <laughs> I'm a kind person. You know? So it, it, it really, of course, I had an identification that, you know, well, I am kind and compassionate, and I don't judge, but of course, well, the, the uh, evidence was that this mind does, does judge. Of course, not anymore, I'm over that. <laughs> so, um, yeah, so we see the mind, and I, you know, I went out and I cried by the pond for you know, much of the afternoon because it was just so painful to see. But it was good. It was important to see that that this mind can be full of judgments and and to accept that. And and then later I saw how much the judging was directed toward myself. Mm-hmm. So so we so in Samatha practice, you know, we see things about the mind that because the mind be- finally becomes quiet. Ajahn Chah, a Thai forest teacher, talks about uh, sitting by a, a still forest pond. And, and if you sit quietly, you know, all kinds of animals will come out of the woods and drink at the pond, and you'll see them. <laughs> you know, you'll see the fierce ones, you'll see the gentle, beautiful ones, and you may even see the magical ones that you never even knew existed. So, so the mind becomes quiet and we see the mind. And at a certain point, as the mind becomes more quiet, our, our meditation shifts from coming back to a predetermined object of the breath or the body, whatever it is, to, to just being with, that when we have that capacity to be steady in our present moment experience and not have the mind pulled away all the time, then we can be with what is arising in the moment. So, so we're sitting and we're feeling the breath and and uh, and and then we notice. Um, well, let's start with something very simple. We notice a sound, perhaps a sound of birds, uh, you know, or squirrels chattering. And so, in samatha meditation, we would notice that the attention had been drawn to the sound. And we would then come back to the sound, to the breath. In, as we open to practice insight meditation, or vipassana, vipassana really means seeing deeply into our experience. So um, we, we notice that, okay, there's a sound, so there's hearing, 
we and and we stay with that and notice that the sound the hearing is arising and then it's passing away and so it has a beginning and it has an end and and then we will come back to the breath and and so in that staying with the arising experience we're investigating the nature of it we're seeing deeply into the nature of it and we are uh, seeing that it has a beginning and an end so we're seeing into the impermanent nature of experience so that's a really important insight uh, um, another example maybe we are sitting and feeling the breath and a feeling arises of sadness we notice that the heart begins to feel sad and so instead of turning away from that experience and saying I need to stabilize the mind and the breath we allow our attention to rest in that as sensation in the body so we don't go into the story of I'm so sad because life is so hard I mean I'm making a bit of a cartoon mm -hmm. but you know rather than blaming the conditions or you know saying it's because of what's out there we say you know here's sadness here's sadness so there's no blame there's just being with the experience there's no judgment that sadness is bad or I shouldn't experience sadness sadness is not pleasant is it Sadness can be difficult. I mean, it can, especially if it's deep sadness or grief or, um, you know, uh, other intense kinds of emotions. You know, but we can really bring a compassionate and interested attention to this arising in the mind and in the heart and in the body of of sadness or grief and just stay with it and you know caring about it and staying interested and we notice that if we pay attention that it's not something solid grief or sadness is not something that you know is just one you know block of an experience, it's a flow. It's a flow of sensation. It's being known in the present moment. And and it has an intensity, and then maybe it will have a little space where it feels a bit less intense. Maybe there'll be a space where it feels more neutral. Maybe there'll be a little opening where where it's okay. There's a, even a little bit of peace. Um, and, uh, and then maybe it'll pass away. Maybe it'll come back. 
but we learn that we can actually be with it. One of, one of my first retreats that I went on, uh, my, one of my first insight retreats um, at IMS, and um, I had gone into this retreat, and um, my son was traveling in Mexico, and he had promised me, absolutely promised me, that before I went into retreat, he was going to check in with me, and he was going to tell me, I'm okay, Mom, and you know, you can go into retreat. So, of course, what we know is he didn't. <laughs> and, you know, and here I am, and the, my imagination is going wild, and, uh, you know, he's lying in some ditch somewhere. Uh, so, so I... Um, I talked to one of the teachers, very compassionate. Uh, she had also had a teenager who was a little bit wild, and and uh, uh, and she she told me, she said, you know, and I said, I just I have so much fear, I just don't feel like you know I didn't know how to sit with it, and she said, just just allow the fear to, you know, like just. Let it be there and be aware of it. And notice, notice if there are moments when there's not so much fear. And, uh, and there are moments when you're okay. And then maybe it comes back. And, um, and that was such a good teaching in such a timely way um, that I learned to be with fear. And it wasn't the first time that I had to be with fear around what my son was up to. Um, and, uh, um, yeah, so, so, so this, this is moving into Vipassana practice. Uh, and we see that the, what comes up, what our, our experience, and all of our experience, is inner experience. So even, even sensing um, sound, we're sensing it within ourselves. We're sensing it in the, in the through, through the the sense organ of the ear. It's an inner experience. So all of our experience can be known, can be investigated. Remember last night I talked about mindfulness and investigation are the two legs of vipassana you know, can be investigated, can be, and by investigated, I don't don't mean analyzed intellectually, I mean just the way you look at something under a microscope and you see its nature, just looking, just present with, and and we see that, we can see that it's, it's changing, it can't be held on to, and it's arising selflessly. It's arising. We're not in control of what's coming up in us. So, so in this in this practice of vipassana, we there can there can gradually happen that there's a shift, so that we are not so identified with 
the flow of experience. There's a space of awareness in which our experience is known. And, and in that space, there's a sense of freedom. There's a sense that we have the capacity, rather than to react, to respond. And so we welcome the flow of experience. Um, there's a poem that, you know, probably many of you are familiar with, but it is uh, so appropriate um, by Rumi, uh, who is a Sufi poet, um, 12th century Sufi poet from uh, Persia, what was then called Persia. And it's called The Guest House. This being human is a guest house. Every morning, a new arrival, a joy, a depression, a meanness. Some momentary awareness comes as an unexpected visitor. Welcome and entertain them all. Even if they're a crowd of sorrows, who violently sweep your house empty of its furniture. Still, treat each guest honorably. He may be clearing you out for some new delight. The dark thought, the malice. Meet them at the door laughing and invite them in. Be grateful for whoever comes because each has been sent as a guide from beyond. So can we be grateful for our sadness? Can we be grateful that it has presented itself because it's there, we're carrying it? Can we be grateful to see the fear that we, uh, we carry with us, um, maybe just under the surface, which perhaps we carry in our bodies, you know, in tightness, a kind of defended heart, defended body. So, so these, as the mind becomes quiet, these uh, insights, these, um, we, well, the insight is into the, the nature of each experience, but these, um, uh, these guests, these, uh, perhaps, um, inhabitants of our psyche, uh, present themselves to us. And you know, and so we see that there's resentment that we're carrying. There's grief that we're carrying. There's a pattern of of um, of feeling I don't belong here, or there's a pattern of feeling nobody wants me. Um, and uh, and so then instead of Believing it, instead of 
believing the mind, because all of these patterns, they arise from conditions, causes, our upbringing, our experiences, our, our culture, our, our education, They're, they're all conditioned. So instead of saying, oh, that's true, you know, nobody wants me, or I'm not good enough, or I don't belong here, you could say, oh, look at, that, look at the mind. You know, what is the mind saying? How is that held in the body? How do I hold that in the body? You know, as that comes into my mind, what am I feeling in my body? And the body, in this way, as I was talking about yesterday, becomes a great ally in our practice. Because in the body, we can shift from the story about nobody has ever wanted me and I don't belong anywhere, to there's tightness, there's sharpness, there's contraction. Um, you know, my jaw, my heart, my stomach. And, and then we can give that space to be known compassionately. So just really opening and accepting, investigating, oh, as I give that space to be known, as I welcome that guest into my home of my open awareness, my compassionate heart, I see how that begins to move and open and, and shift. Oh, and now it's not so intense. Now it feels like, oh, it's more neutral, you know, and I'm, I'm seeing, you know, like I've, a moment ago, I thought that person was looking at me with judgment, and now, well, maybe they're not. Maybe they're just looking at me. So, uh, so we begin to <coughs> release. So mindfulness, you know, as I mentioned yesterday, <coughs> mindfulness is non-grasping, non-resisting. And so it allows, when we're present with mindfulness, it allows us to release the mental state or the, or the belief or the thought or the emotion that we had been holding. And, and a big way that we hold emotions and beliefs is through stories in the mind that we create. They say, but my story is true. (laughs) So, so all of our stories are perceptions. And perceptions in the sense that, you know, we create them. There's a lot of research being done on memory these days. And, um, and, all memory is constructed. All memory, you know, of something that happened in our past is from a certain perspective. It's from our perspective. It's interpreted by our 
you know, through our lens, the lens of our experience, of our interpretation, our our particular coloring on the experience. And then the more we remember it, the more we change it. <laughs> so, so memory is just a thought. Memory is, is a thought in the mind. You know, we think we have this story. And uh, it's not as real as we think. In fact, it's, it's really not real uh, at all. It's, it's not that nothing ever happened, but what happened is not exactly as we remember it. And, and if we have a story about, you know, what my father did or said or my, my, my spouse or my ex-spouse or my, uh, my old friend or, you know, they would have a, a different story, you know, and, um, but my story is right. <laughs> So, so mindfulness, so, so this is why, you know, sometimes, you know, I keep, teachers of mindfulness keep talking about the importance of being in the present moment, being present, you know, so, uh, if we're, if we're lost in memories of the past and stories about the past, we're always kind of living from those stories. Or if we're all about projections into the future, you know, then we're, we're not in, a, in anything that's real. We're, they're all constructed. You know, the, our memories are constructed, our, our projections of the future are, are, are really our hopes and fears. We don't know what the future will be. And so, being present, we can actually discover something about, you know, uh, how our lives are unfolding, um, how life is unfolding through us, within us. So, so in Vipassana practice, that's what we're doing. We're we're bringing our attention to the now. We're knowing. We're knowing experience as it unfolds. We're we're being attentive to it, and we're seeing how it changes continually into something else. So. So each moment is fresh. Each moment is is new. We are new in each moment. So, so when we think that we know somebody, we think we know uh, our, you know, our partner, our son, our daughter, our parent, and uh, and just as we are new, they are also new and changing. And. Uh, I think children are such wonderful teachers in that way, you know, because I have a two-year-old granddaughter, 
and uh, she lives on the other side of the continent. And, um, you know, a few months go by between my seeing her, and it's unbelievable how she's changing and developing and absorbing, and kind of this this person is emerging. Uh, and uh, so it's it's easy to see with with children, you know, how they are just really evolving. But we all are all the time through our whole lives. And um, and especially when we're not holding to fixed beliefs and kind of you know really trying to uh, uh, find some solidity in that way, but are open and investigating. So Vipassana practice on the cushion goes from bringing our attention back, like as soon as we notice that the mind has wandered, that's samatha, we bring our attention back, to Vipassana goes to investigating the changing nature of experience, whether it's a sensory experience or an emotion, mental state to and then and then we find our you know we 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 find come home again to the breath and uh, find a kind of home base there and then it can evolve into um, what's called choiceless awareness practice in which we are not kind of finding our base in any particular practice, but, you know, we're just kind of with experience as it unfolds. We're present with experience as it unfolds. And there can develop, as the mind develops, and we're more and more (coughs) resting in awareness, there can be a sense of simply resting, simply resting in the space of awareness and and there is a kind of a a presence a balance an equanimity and um, and where you know life is is unfolding around us and our hearts are open you know there's love there's compassion and at the same time uh, we realize that it's all flow it's all flow there's nothing that can be held onto. There's nothing solid. So I'm giving you a kind of a spectrum of experience and, and, the, and a map, you know, a kind of a map. And, you know, there's a Zen saying that the map is not the territory. We need to, we need to find ourselves within that map. And so sometimes it's not linear. It's a whole territory. You know, so, so sometimes... Sometimes the mind feels very scattered and, and we, we just, we're in samatha. We need to practice samatha. And especially, you know, in the first, could be years uh, or months or depending on, on our practice, how it's unfolding, how much we're practicing. And then we might find that vipassana is happening and, and then knowing Understanding a little bit about Vipassana practice, we can realize, oh yeah, so I'm seeing the arising and passing away. And then, you know, as I 
as I see it, and, and you see, I see the nature, the impermanent nature, and I come back and rest, come back, come to my home base. And then I may, you know, in my life, I see I'm just kind of with the unfolding, with the arising and passing away of, of experience. And, and I don't, I feel the stability of mindfulness is such that I'm not, you know, not needing to come back and ground myself in the breath very much, you know. Sometimes I do. Sometimes, you know, I'm just feeling the body and there's no particular home base, you know. It's like, well, everything's home. You know, I feel at home in the world. Um, there's a... I, I, I practiced with this guy um, uh, quite a few years ago and he was always creating Dharma cartoons and uh, and he uh, he described or maybe he showed me I can't remember um, this uh, this big traffic jam and um, and and there was a billboard and it said um, you know there, there there's there there's a there are some signs sometimes for condos you know if if you lived here you'd be home now mm-hmm. and uh and and this sign was if you lived if you if you were uh at home here you'd be living now or something like that <laughs> uh i forget exactly but the idea was that wherever we are we're at home um whatever you know, we don't we don't need to do anything to find anything that we can be at home in our experience, you know, as it's unfolding moment to moment. So that's a kind of a, a flow. So, are there any questions? Anything that's come to your mind that you'd like to ask or? Yeah, I I didn't uh, quite hear what you said about this third way of meditating. What is it called? Choiceless awareness. Choiceless awareness. Okay. Yeah, choiceless awareness. Yeah, I might not have remembered to say it. So, so it's it's um, so it's 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 just that the mind is is not preferring an object. The mind is not preferring the breath. The mind is is not preferring to you know to be kind of finding its anchor or its home base in body sensation, its choiceless awareness. So whether it's sound or, or, um, or body sensation or uh, a mental state or an emotion, you know, just awareness with whatever's unfolding. It's like open awareness? Yeah, yeah. Um, is that the same thing as... Um um, for example, contemplative photography, um, contemplation in that context? To be open to, um, to be able to see. So, so if photography is a particular art form in which, you know, I don't know much about it and I have never heard the term contemplative photography before, but, but you know, you're, you're seeing in the just in the ordinariness of life, yeah, yeah. You're, you're, you can see, you know, the beauty of yeah. particular, and, and, and so 
and the art is in kind of finding the frame. Yeah. yeah. I, I, you know, I think that that's, that maybe can bring you into a contemplative state, but I'd have to think about it. I don't, I, I wouldn't want to say, you know, yes. Well, I know that in the, in the Shambhala levels, um, then level four and five uh, are moving from very close in that home place uh, out into that space of awareness. Yeah. And uh, that sort of, and the person that I did a level four with was a contemplative photographer. And uh -huh. he sort of brought it through that. Yeah. Yeah. I, I'm not familiar yeah. with the Shambhala level, so I <laughs> can't. Yeah. It sounds very similar. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, well, you know, it's not, this, these spiritual teachings are, uh, it's lovely. It, yeah. It, yeah, it's, it's not um, unique to this tradition. It's a nice perspective, it, it makes it um, kind of easier to um, understand that, I think. Great. If we're to be aware of our memories as stories and only stories, um, how do we um, relate to karma? Is, is karma something that operates as sort of a law of the universe and it's not up to us to draw a connection between our actions and consequences, we only need to respond to them in the moment and personally as they arise, as it arises. So we can't, so karma uh, and, and the word karma means action, really. And, and, and actions have results. Um, we don't really, we can't really know in any uh, clear and finite way <clears throat> what the results are of our actions because everything is interconnected. Nor can we know in any clear or defined way why, you know, our life is unfolding in this moment as it is. You know, so, you know, basically the Buddha said, you can't, he said, if you're, if you're not, if you're not a Buddha, and, you know, what does that mean? It means somebody who's completely awake, and, you know, uh, it's, it's, um, it's a very, it's it's a very uh, uh, open kind of term. I you know like I I don't know the edges of what that is. You know, so it's, so it's a word. Buddha is a word that points to some something awakened. So he said, you know, we can't understand karma. You know, so don't try. Said, yeah. <laughs> that's what he said. So don't try. It's um, because when we try to understand karma, then uh, then we um, you know we start making up you know well this happened because of this you know and and that doesn't lead anywhere helpful. 
what we can do in terms of karma is to observe the um, the immediate and the long-term results of choosing to act with kindness and skill and non-harming. You know how it how it affects us interiorly, and how people respond to us and life responds to us when we have that capacity. First of all, we have we need to have the capacity. So the the mindfulness the the spaciousness, the awareness, to not react with anger, but to take a moment to breathe and to choose something else. You know, instead of striking back or striking out, to to say, you know, I'm going to listen, or I'm going to just allow the anger to subside and and then tune into my body and, you know, what's going on and respond in some way that is more uh, uh, empathetic, perhaps, or compassionate. So we can really only deal with karma in the present moment. Yeah. We can only respond to yeah. what comes up and try to be more mindful of Right. <laughs> Anything else is you know, conjecture, really. Um, I mean, we can, we can certainly study the Dharma and try to, you know, bring into our lives these frameworks that, these ethical frameworks, you know, that are given to help us to discern what is skillful, what is unskillful, you know. But it's all, yeah, it's, it's all happening right now. We can't, we can't, you know, live in the future. And so it's all action happens in the present moment. Yeah. Okay. So um, let's let's take some time to sit. <coughs> Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.